So I can imagine someone listening to this and saying, why on earth would you do this? Yeah, and, and that's a very legitimate question. And, and that's also part of the, the draw. This is Outside In. I'm Nate Hedgie, and with me is our producer, Justine Paradise. Yeah, and let me start by introducing you to this person I met recently. Mm-hmm. Her name is Betsy Lou Dawkins, and she loves the ocean. That's part of the reason she's lived in Maine for the past 40 years. She had spent some time in Florida, but for her, the ocean there, way too warm. It was like bath water. This water up here is bracing. It, it, it's wonderful. Bracing? I, how, how cold is the ocean in Maine? Yeah, bracing is a technical term. <laughs> Even in the peak of summer in Portland, which is right next door to where Betsy lives, it basically only gets into the 60s. It's cold. But Betsy loves the feeling of getting into that cold water, and she does it every day. Yeah. But uh, doing it through the winter is a whole different ball game. Through the winter. Yeah, Betsy gets in the water every day through the winter when the water gets into the low 30s or even colder. This, by the way, is just in a bathing suit. And I think we should know that Betsy is 72 years old. Winter immersion, we call it dipping, is we just we go in in the absolute bracing cold, maybe move the, the ice aside <laughs> and get in the water and just go up to my neck and, uh, and then just stay in the water as long as you can. So when I'm standing on the beach, it's like, okay, I know when I step in that water, it's going to be a wonderful uh, shock. <gasps> you know, oh, oh, it's cold, you know, and uh, I, I like that feeling. Betsy is just one of many, many people around the world who do some version of cold water immersion or swimming. Yeah, I, I feel like I've also heard it, like I've probably read like an Outside Magazine article on like the Wim Hof method. Yeah, that is another iteration of this. Um, okay. And by the way, I do feel like I have to caveat really quick that getting into very cold water like this is obviously not um, safe. <laughs> like you want to yeah, approach this uh-huh. with care and I'll, I'll put some info in the show notes about that, but... Plenty of people also claim health benefits, like that it treats Mm -hmm. inflammation broadly, um, boosts your immune system, eases anxiety. Betsy said it feels like getting high, and that's what she likes about it. Um, (laughs) I talked to an expert in applied physiology in extreme environments who said that, in his view, there aren't robust studies backing up these claims. But he also said that kind of doesn't matter, because even if it is just placebo, that has a real effect, too. Yeah. Back to Maine, there are groups up and down the coast who dip together all year. Like there's one on Mount Desert Island called Cold Tits, Warm Hearts, which I definitely, (laughs) we have to have that in the show. (laughs) That's amazing. I love that name. It's so joyful. Um, And there's a group in Portland called Two Maine Mermaids, which organizes monthly full moon dips. And I joined one of those dips earlier this fall to ask some of the 50 some odd folks there on the beach. So what's the, why do you do this? Um, I am trying to sort of be vulnerable. It's freezing cold and like it feels kind of scary. I like doing it just because it's kind of fun, kind of silly. It's kind of nice to do something silly on occasion. You know, so much of what we do is planned and sensible and thoughtful and 
this is just a bit silly and it's a lot of it's a lot of, it's a great community too yeah it's a lot of met, met a lot of nice people through this oh man that is what the world needs more of right now it's just pure silliness yeah. yeah, so that was a, you just heard Choya Foot and Juliette Cox. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the people on the beach I met, her name's Anne Buckwalter. She perfectly summed up the reason that I am bringing this to you right now. I just moved back to Maine after being away for a long time. And I had a really hard time with the winters when I lived here before. And so part of the reason, or something I wanted to do when I moved back was be friends with winter and like redefine my relationship to it. Becoming friends with winter. Becoming friends with winter and redefining your relationship to the cold, to the dark. This is the topic of today's show. Like the cold water swimmers of Maine, the team here at Outside In is trying to be better friends with winter. And so for our third year in a row, we are sharing our recommendations for getting through the cold and dark. It is our annual winter, not only survival, but thrival show. Sir Thrival Show. (laughs) (laughs) I really love that term. I hope that you made up that term. Should we make that happen? This is the show in which the Outside In team gathers around the proverbial fire and swaps recommendations for winter. Based on the idea of embracing the season, leaning into the cold, uh, we would love to hear your recommendations as well. Uh, When you send us voice memos, we play them on the podcast, uh, and then we can also share them in our free newsletter. Email a voice recording with your winter tips to our email. Our address is outsidein at nhbr.org. And uh, who knows, you know, just uh, hear them on the show. Okay, let's introduce our esteemed panel of winter surthrival experts. Uh, we've already heard from our producer, Justine Paradise. Hey. Also with us, our own Felix Poon. Hello. Hey. And give me a give me a more energetic hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> of the cues. <laughs> this is a I very natural. Cues. Always, always natural. <laughs> our guest for this year, Mara Hoplamazian, climate and environmental reporter here at New Hampshire Public Radio. Hello. Hey. We're so glad you're here. Welcome. I'm so glad to be here. So Mara, we'll all get to know you a little bit better over the course of the next hour or so, but can you just introduce yourself? Like, what are you working on? Uh, Anything you're psyched about these days? Yeah, for sure. So I run By Degrees, which is our climate reporting project at NHPR. Right now I'm working on um, a couple climate solution stories that I'm super pumped about. I get to hopefully shadow an electrician in the next few days. Um, So I'm pumped about that. And yeah, just really excited about coming out of the election, doing some more uh, solution stories. Mara, what's your your relationship uh, to the cold and dark? Like, uh, where are you starting from today? So I'm pretty I'm pretty brave about the cold. I grew up in mm-hmm. Chicago. Um, I've been known to take a, a polar plunge once in a while, <laughs> but um, I'm I'm much less cool with the dark. Um, so I moved to New Hampshire about a year ago. 
one of the first things I did was I went to this vintage store because I needed a couple of plates, um, as one does when they're moving. And the woman at the vintage store asked me why I was buying mismatched plates. And I explained I had just moved and I was decorating. And she got all excited, started giving me recommendations. You know, you should join my husband's baseball league. (laughs) I think she gave me some restaurants to try. And then she looked me in the eye and she said, but the big thing is that you have to remember the darkness is different here. And I was like, what? Right, ominous, right? Yeah. (laughs) But she was right. It gets really dark and it gets dark so early. And she was like, you know, you just got to remember the darkness is different. You got to learn how to survive it. Um, So I've been I've been thinking about that. And that's why I'm excited about this show today. So let's start with our tips for getting outside in the winter, and then we'll get to cozy recommendations later. So this is your favorite gear, motivational strategies, outdoor activities, things that get you out of the door and embracing what winter has to offer. Um, Felix, why don't you go first? Sure, yeah. Um, Staying warm. So one of my favorite base layers uh, is the waffle knit thermal layer. Ooh. The waffle knit. Delicious which I'm actually currently wearing right now. What is that? I've never heard of that. Maybe I've seen it. I've just never heard of it. Is it something about the texture? Does the texture make it so that it's warmer? Yeah, the texture is shaped like like, like a waffle. Um, <laughs> yeah, you usually like wear it under something. It's a base layer. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if I'm going out, like, and I don't want to wear a sweater. I want to be more kind of... Uh, you know, uh, button-down shirt and collar kind of look, like, then I can wear this under it and still be warm. But actually, okay, the thing I really want to recommend to you all, which maybe is a little bit more novel, um, is this idea of winter sunbathing. Sounds cool. So how do I explain this? Basically, what I would do is take, like, a picnic blanket, Uh go to the woods in the park that is next to me, uh, lay it down on the ground, um, you know, and I, I bring along a friend, so we we sit on the picnic blanket, um, and we just let that sun like warm us up. And the the thing is, like, I it it seems like a paradox, but I feel warmer mm-hmm. when I'm outside in the sun than when I'm inside with the heat on. Yeah, it's that waffle effect. <laughs> yeah. <it's> the, <laughs> I usually, maybe I'll be wearing my waffle shirt <laughs> while I'm out there. I still, you know, you still do want to have on like a good winter jacket, maybe right. some long johns. Um, but do have your face exposed so you can like kind of like take that sun, like warming up your face. Reminds me of that, that episode in, uh, you ever see that Portlandia episode? where they're chasing around the sun and it's just cloudy all the time and like the sun pops out and everybody like runs to the one little spot where the sun is (laughs) gleaming out of the clouds and they're like, oh God, sun, sun, sun. There's a Portlandia episode for every situation. It's so good. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like the sun is a natural light therapy. You know, like when we're Mm -hmm. talking about seasonal affective disorder, like people are trying to sell you these light boxes or special lighting you can put in your home just go outside you're saying just don't get ripped off (laughs) get some sun that makes the days of sun so much more special you know when it comes out you got to go snatch it up yeah i would also just recommend like taking quiet pauses with your friend to like really notice and feel the sun on your skin like almost like you're doing like a a meditation felix do you notice um if it's if there's snow on the ground that you feel the sun reflect up from the snow too oh that's a good question i will try to pay attention to that the next time that happens 
Yeah. Yeah. I do feel like I need sunglasses more in the winter, actually, because of that effect, oh, yeah. Mara. So that's a great question. Mm-hmm. I want one of those cool, those cool mountaineering goggles. You know, the ones that they see that are the, like, like the full eye coverage. <laughs> You can get the same. You can get the same effect if you put duct tape on the sides of your sunglasses. By the yeah, way, yeah, but it doesn't look as cool. <laughs> <laughs> or, or you could argue it looks cooler. It doesn't look cooler. That's, that's okay, objective. I'll try that. <laughs> what about you, Justine? So mine, I think, maybe seems is maybe a bit basic, but hear me out here. Um, okay. <laughs> if there's something that you want to do, like say go cross-country skiing or just you know get outside when your motivation is maybe not so great Mm -hmm. um get a friend to do it with you but maybe specifically someone that you kind of want to impress a little bit like someone you want to get to know better yeah (laughs) so there's an element of like oh i like i can't flake because otherwise this friendship is doomed right um so it's the commitment of having to meet someone who um who your your friendship is still developing. So I did this one winter when I decided I wanted to get my exercise by swimming. And as I have already indicated, it is challenging for me to get up in the early morning, but that's when the light was really nice in the local pool, yeah. like green and aqua through the water. But shout out to Courtney, who would pick me up at like 5.45 in the morning. And we did this for months. You wouldn't have gone out there without Courtney picking you up at 5:45 like you know, the motivation would not have been there. No, I would have intended to. Yeah, but yeah. you know, <laughs> the alarm goes off and you're like, well, you need that buddy motivation. But I mean, unfortunately for um like this is just sort of terrible news for many of us um that unfortunately the wisdom is correct that exercising in the morning just improves your entire day and oh it always does which is just yeah. rude. Dang it. It's rude that that's correct. <laughs> it is rude that it's stack. Yeah, I don't want to hear that. How about you, Mara? So darkness is the hardest thing for me about winter. So this winter, I'm making myself a darkness survival kit. You know, just like you'd put on a puffy coat or some wool or maybe Felix, your waffle knit <laughs> to brave the cold. I'm making a little toolbox for the darkness. Oh, I love this. Great idea. So I switched out the batteries in my old headlamp. Um, I'm ordering a high-vis vest to wear on my nighttime walks and also probably a box of glow sticks because I keep seeing people oh. with little glow sticks on their dogs, which I think is very cute. And I'm like, why can't I have glow sticks? Oh, yeah. Like the like the necklaces? Yeah. It's a literal glow up. Or like some bracelets. Mario, you're going to be the coolest kid on the block. <laughs> Thanks, Felix. <laughs> I, I also got a moon calendar so I can see what days are going to be best for getting Ooh. out to appreciate the moonlight. Oh, I love that idea. Another nice. source of light I think is sort of under underappreciated. There's a little park near my house. I realized it's a, a good place to see what it's like to just walk around in the moonlight with no extra lighting assistance. I'm pretty scared of the dark, and so I don't usually do Me that. Too. But, um, you know, it's like a place I feel safe, and it feels almost like daytime when there's a full moon out there. Yeah embracing the dark you know it's funny my um my wife lives up in alaska uh she's there for an internship and she keeps like low-key trying to convince me that we should move to fairbanks which is like the coldest (laughs) and darkest darkest place on earth and she's like no 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 no. they have the aurora and the aurora Mm. changes everything and i want to believe her i don't believe her but that would be pretty cool that would be that would make like the darkness worth it if you got to see like the aurora i feel like that sort of charges you up for like at least a few weeks like you see it once and you're like (laughs) like, you got your light quotient we're all just like batteries we need to recharge on some sort of light 
Nate, what's yours? What's mine? Oh, God, yeah, that's me. Your turn. <laughs> <laughs> so mine is another way that I've been dealing with the darkness lately because I like to exercise uh, in the evenings because just like Justine, I am not a morning person. But, you know, when it's dark and, you you know, you don't want to run and I've got foot problems. So if I slip on the ice, then it's just like I've twisted my ankle again and then I'm out. So a couple of years ago, I got into playing pond hockey. Um, I grew up playing hockey, uh, but stopped after high school and then uh, got back into it. And I think it's like a way more accessible, fun version of hockey, in my opinion. You know, you need skates and a stick, but that's pretty much it. So you don't need to spend like $1,000 on like shoulder pads and all that other equipment and then like getting into a league and all that pressure. And the way we play it here uh, at the pond in Missoula, uh, Montana, uh, there's no net. It's just like a four by four piece of lumber that you try to Mm. hit with the puck. And it makes the sound like in the cold of a puck hitting wood and just like, and it's just, oh, Oh, it's so I just got chills, I think, imagining that. Oh, I love it. Uh, There's also like no checking, no fights, no aggro, you know, like hockey stuff that happens. People of all skills are out there, little kids, older folks. Um, And these like late night games are my absolute favorite because you're just freezing, meeting random people in your town, uh, drinking a beer or a cider. Or if it's really cold and all those things freeze, then maybe tequila or whiskey. That sounds so nice because it's also like you don't necessarily have to be playing too to enjoy that. It's sort of a scene. No. You can just, yeah, or even just skating. It's just, you get to see the stars and it's, yeah, it's a really wonderful just community activity that I've I've fallen in love with. It's not too late to share your tips, by the way, for getting outside in the winter. Uh, Our favorite way to get submissions is when you send us a voice recording to our email. That way we can possibly feature them on the podcast. Our email again is outsidein at nhpr.org. Okay, coming up, our next category of recommendations, warm and cozy indoor ideas. That's after the break. Welcome back to Outside In's third annual Sir Thrival show. Our illustrious panel is coming inside from the cold now, and we are ready to share our on-screen recommendations, TV shows, movies to get cozy with. Uh, And I am actually going to start this. I feel like a little bit embarrassed recommending this show for some reason, especially with the clip that I'm going to show you, which y'all are just going to be like, that's a really weird show. Start weird, end weird. It is called Outer Range. Outer Range is about a rancher in Wyoming, played by Josh Brolin, who finds a giant, mysterious hole in the ground, <laughs> and <laughs> and then really weird stuff starts happening. What is this hole? Yeah, exactly. Like a like a hole that like just goes on forever, or goes on forever. This is literally a mistake in the universe. Like a, a black hole on the middle of his ranch on the ground. Got it. Um, and weird stuff starts happening as soon as he finds it, including like time travel, uh, strange visions. There's a bison that just keeps popping up in random spots. <laughs> it is like a Western version of Twin Peaks. Y'all have seen Twin Peaks before, right? Yeah, weirdo. Weirdo. 
surreal. Kind of sci-fi, kind of horror. Is it weird in like a psychological thriller kind of way? No, it's weird in a uh, uh, WTF <laughs> kind of way. Like, what? <laughs> what I love about the show is that it takes all the tropes of like the modern Western. So I think like that show Yellowstone with like rodeos, lots of just tough masculinity, and then just completely flips them on their head. There's this one guy, he's a rancher's son, you know, he drives ATVs and pickup trucks, but he's also like randomly breaking out into song during the show. Sometimes the very thing you're looking for is the one thing you can't see. Wow. <laughs> what? Nate, I need to watch this show. <laughs> it, it, the best way I can explain it is like, it's like Twin Peaks. It's like the Western version of Twin Peaks. All right. Who's next? Uh, Mara, what's yours? Okay, so I'm I'm not really recommending a movie or a TV show, but instead an activity. It's an all-winter trilogy marathon. So when the pandemic started, my pod at the time and I, which is about six people, each picked our favorite trilogy and then watched all of them. So that's a lot of movies. That's so cool. That's a a wonderful idea. We watched some of them back to back, like in one day. We watched others over the course of three consecutive days or, you know, more time. Um, But it it required a lot of trust and a lot of downtime and also a lot of popcorn. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Wait, what are some of the trilogies y'all watched? The first trilogy we watched was Back to the Future. It was suggested mm, nice. by my friend Grace. Um, it was something Classic. that they had loved as a kid. We got to hear about why it was important to them, all the things they thought about it as a young person, how it helped shape them. Um, and I really love the scene where Marty and Doc Brown are in the JCPenney parking lot and the DeLorean comes speeding towards them and is like, you know, creating mm-hmm. the fire tire tracks. So this, this is what makes time travel possible. The flux capacitor. The flux capacitor. <laughs> the flux, flux capacitor. You know what I love about Christopher Lloyd is that I feel like he's been old for a really, really long time. <laughs> like that was made in 1987, and he looked, and he's still alive. And he was, he looked old in 1987. It's crazy, <laughs> suspicious, totally. Well, you know, a lot of us picked trilogies that were important to us as kids, um, and it was a really fun way to get to know each other's sort of inner worlds, and in a time that felt really uncertain. Yeah where we all were all sort of just like trying to cozy up and survive it was kind of like time travel Mm. you know without a flux capacitor (laughs) we got to look into each other's childhoods a little bit and i got to watch a bunch of movies i probably never would have elected to watch on my own no offense to my dear friends (laughs) i watched you know like the first three jason bourne movies i kind of love those (laughs) all three extended edition lord of the rings movies oh yes (laughs) In like quick succession, so it was just it was a it was a good it was a good movie education. Also, was there anything that you watched that was just like not not as not didn't hold up? Well, okay, my recommendation or my selection for my trilogy was kind of bold because I hadn't seen the second two. (laughs) My favorite my my favorite movie of all time is The Matrix, and so I was like, we have to watch the Matrix trilogy, (laughs) but I haven't seen. There's a, a second and a third and now a fourth right, Matrix, right. so it's no longer a trilogy. Yep. But the fourth one wasn't out when I when I elected to watch The Matrix. Were they good? 
I I love The Matrix, and I had a really hard they time. They hold up. Through the second and the third. Oh, wait, the first what? one is the best one. <laughs> Justine was like, they hold up, and she's like, yeah. no, but they, they don't. They, like, <laughs> the second and third one do I, I still think they're worthwhile watching. I think it's a brilliant movie franchise, but the first one is the best. Do you believe in fate, Neil? No. Why not? Because I don't like the idea that I'm not in control of my life. I know exactly what you mean. Felix, what's your TV or movie recommendation? I don't know if this movie recommendation is a little too on the nose for Outside In. Um, But basically, I bring up this movie anytime I'm talking to someone and the topic of agriculture comes up. And I'm like, oh do you know what regenerative agriculture mm-hmm. is? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, I'll tell you. But then I'm also like, uh, you should just watch the movie Kiss the Ground. It opens with this news montage of all these dire scenes of the climate crisis. Dire warning about climate change. Natural disasters like hurricanes. or wild- Mass flooding, forest fires, melting glaciers. And then the tone of the music shifts. This is the story of a simple solution. A way to heal our planet and keep our species off the extinction list. Oh, man, I'm really happy that Woody Harrelson was in that. He's got a great voice. In fact, the solution I'm talking about is right under our feet. And it's as old as dirt. We call it soil. All we need is lots of agriculture? What, wait, what's the argument here? <laughs> no tilling. No tilling. Yeah, no, no tilling, keeping um, our agricultural land... Basically planted with perennials, doing crop rotation, a whole bunch of stuff that I feel like it goes by a few different names, like, you know, regenerative agriculture, permaculture. I wouldn't say they're exactly the same, but they kind of like overlap in in their principles. That's like Masanobu Fukuoka is one of the principles Mm -hmm. of um, do nothing farming that we did an episode on like a year ago. Yeah, I'm really into this. I feel like we all need more fun ways to learn about climate change. Yeah, yeah, I want to watch this. Great. All right. Awesome, Felix. That's a great recommendation. Um, Justine, what do you got for us? Shoah. Um, well, so I, similar to Mara, um, I have decided to do a kind of a strategy as well mm-hmm. for on-screen viewing. Um, I recommend picking a creator or maker and watching or reading and listening to every single thing they've ever made. <laughs> oh, wow. And I specifically recommend that this person be Julio Torres. Hi. Hi. Hey. Hello. Uh, my my name is Julio. I am from El Salvador. I am an Aquarius, and I am here to show you my favorite shapes. I have a lot of shapes, but not a lot of time, so we have to start immediately. Um, that is from Julio Torres's uh, special on HBO called My Favorite Shapes, which is just unlike any comedy special I have ever seen. Um, it is excellent. He is also the writer responsible for, in my opinion, the best SNL shorts of the past several years, like Papyrus and Wells for Boys. Um, <laughs> Wells for Boys is my favorite. I love that. He is responsible. Um, and he also writes and stars in the spectacular and extremely weird Losa Spookies on HBO. Uh... Yeah, which is about a group of friends in an unnamed Latin American country, and they have a business in which they stage spooks. 
Um, so they get hired by a priest who's like feeling threatened by the young hot priest at the monastery to do an exorcism <laughs> and prove that he's like still relevant. And they get hired by the mayor of a dying beach town to invent a sea monster to attract tourists to the town. Um, and it like similar to yours, Nate, it has like a very specific world that you're in. Yeah. Like it has the vibe of Brazilian telenovelas moody and sexy and kind of obsessed with death and like the world yeah. operates with like a sense of magic in it um like for instance julio torres's character andres has a direct line to the moon who he'll often call for like <laughs> like minor and petty favors <laughs> i wish i had that yeah i know and the moon's costume design is very good also hola andresito si hola luna mira tengo una emergencia like, can you just go full for just a second so I can find my earring, which I just lost? She's like, ah, oh, like, our friendship is very one-sided right now. Luna, por favor, es un arete muy, muy importante para mí. Significa mucho. Está bien. Solo porque siempre me ha encantado ese arete. Okay, gracias, Luna. Te debo una. Gracias. I think you can get the sense of that even if you don't speak Spanish. Yeah. He's like, okay, uh -huh. bye. <laughs> <laughs> so then he does more stuff. He's written a children's book about a toilet plunger that wants to be a vase. Um, <laughs> so I'm recommending following someone's work, finding everything they've ever done. And I'm into Julio Torres right now. But the reason I think it's nice is to follow someone like this is especially someone who works across different mediums is you start to get to see the connections between the things that they do, maybe the progression of a theme or the progression of a joke. Um, and you start to get introduced to other parts of production, like people that they're working with consistently, or maybe the music they use, like Los Spookies has a great soundtrack on Spotify. Um, right. It's just a really nice way of discovery, I think. That's a great idea. That's a really solid idea. I should do that this winter. I gotta find my creator. Yeah. I'm so excited to watch the shapes. Oh my god, my favorite shapes is like one of the most excellent things mm. that exists. His mom did the set design. Really? Yeah. The shape, I'm very excited that the shape is here. But when I originally asked the shape if he wanted to do the show, he was like a little hesitant about it, a little worried that we were gonna find him to be a mainstream, I guess. But I'm like, what are you talking about? Everyone loves the square. Um, okay, so our third and final category is off-screen indoor activities. Tips for when it is time to just turn off the TV and find something, anything else to do. <laughs> so, Mara, what do you recommend? Okay, I recommend lino-cut printing. Have you guys ever done lino-cuts? No. No, what is that? Okay. I was introduced to lino cuts when I was a middle schooler. Um, and I've gotten really back into it in the last couple of months. But basically how it works is you get a little tool and a slab of linoleum, which kind of feels like rubber, I guess. Um, and you carve out a design. Linoleum from like linoleum like countertops? Yeah, but but the the like art supply linoleum vibe isn't exactly like it's like softer and it's <laughs> so it's like a sheet right like a sheet of paper but it's linoleum yeah um mm. and you carve out a design and then you roll some ink onto it and you make a print and you can also do this with potatoes if you don't feel like 
procuring linoleum from your nearby <laughs> art supply store. Um, but the materials are relatively affordable. You can get like a $20 kit. There's a ton of YouTube tutorials so you can learn how to do it pretty easily. I think of myself as someone who's like bad at art generally. I like can't really draw. I can't really paint. I, I find it frustrating. Well, I like, you know, I always like have a vision of what I want my thing to look like and I can never <laughs> achieve it. Um, but with lino cut printing, like there's something really freeing about it like there's an element of inevitable failure which i find really comforting you Mm. don't know what your design's going to look like until you actually print it and so you just like sort of spend all this meditative time slicing this sharp little knife through this linoleum and then you figure out what it looks like on the other side and it's like if you've ever watched someone do woodcuts it's the same thing but it's easier than a woodcut because it's linoleum it's like rubbery and sort of buttery and you don't have to chip away at wood buttery i love that and they also make nice holiday gifts. Great suggestion. What kind of prints have you done? Right now I'm doing a bunch of my friends. I got them to send me um, what their favorite flower is. And so I've like done a bunch of favorite flower prints. And I'm sending them off as postcards. I did like a little frog because I thought it was a cute design. Cute. What about you, Justine? Um... Mine is kind of actually maybe I, I just realized it's a little bit similar to my last one, which is um, like get very into something. Um, and in this case, um, <laughs> get obsessive. If you have not already done so in your life, take tea to the next level. Here is my vision for everyone listening today. Okay. You select a teapot that is beautiful to you. Mine is made of glass because the color of the tea, I think, is part of the joy. You are finding a source for loose leaf tea. Mm-hmm. which is not only better volume and, and value, but it's much higher quality than a box of bag tea, which is typically you're buying like tea dust, like dregs. Like really? You're essentially getting ripped off. Um, oh, that's a bummer. It, it is sad. I mean, not every single... <laughs> throw away my throat coat. Bag tea. I, I like throat coat here and there. I'm not, I'm not trying to diss anyone's favorite tea, but I'm just, I'm just saying like, if you did not know, that is a practice. Um, when you prepare the tea... You are paying attention to steep times for like green versus black versus herbal tea. Understeeping results in weak tea. Oversteeping can bring out bitter flavors. Um, it makes a difference. Uh, you might pay attention to your hot water temperature, although I I personally find that less important than the steep time. And you are exploring the world of tea for like what you like at different times of day, different seasons. Like hibiscus is almost like wine, I think. It's very fruity and mm-hmm. somehow like salty, tangy, really nice on ice. Chamomile is maybe kind of a basic recommendation, but it is a not basic tea, in my opinion. Like, very relaxing, good for digestion and sleep. My favorite these days is Puar tea, which is uh, fermented. And it's a it's a tea that has a huge range of flavor, like wet straw. And <laughs> some people really do not like that, but, um, but I do. Um, so I just think getting really into this and, like, taking a little care in preparing your tea is a relatively, like, accessible, um, you know, it's a better price point than like getting into say wine or something that right. paying attention to flavor um, can just have like a very beautiful calming impact on your quality of life. I used to do that with coffee. I got really yeah. into like, you know, figuring out your pour over time. I mean, you can feel like, oh, am I being like a snob here? And like, I, I would say like, you're just getting interested in the world and like, you don't have to like yeah. impose judgment on like what other people are doing. It's just like, I'm exactly the <laughs> snobbiness comes in. If you're like, Oh, you're drinking steep times can get quite 
precise. So there was this one time I bought、um, loose leaf green tea from Japan as a gift to my dad, and the thing came with this this chart. Like the x-axis would be like temperature of water, and the y-axis <laughs> would be like time, and then it would tell you like what exactly like the results will be. And when you follow it, it's it almost unlocks this like completely different、mm-hmm. flavor. That's like, where did this even come from? <laughs> That is so cool. So Felix, you're you're at the high, you're at like T level. Seven. <laughs> no, no, that's no. My dad is at tea level infinity. Like me, I actually never buy tea. I just get gifted tea, and it's like, oh, okay. That's great. I recommend getting presents. Um, I want to throw out a book recommendation, or specifically an author recommendation. Um, a person I just read this winter is Willie Vlaunten,、um, and specifically the book is "Don't Skip Out on Me." And it was one of those books. You ever go to the bookstore and you just you're just browsing and you're like, I don't know what I want to read, and you see a cover and you're just like, that looks interesting. It calls、yeah. to you. It calls to you. It was just a a picture of the Nevada desert, you know, but the Basin and Range Desert, which is different than from the Mojave. It's like arguably the.、Um, I don't want to say the ugliest desert. I love it, but it's just you know, it's just like dusty. And I was like, that looks cool, and I like the name. Don't skip out on me. And、uh, apologies, it is another Western themed story <laughs> about ranchers that flips the ideas of Western masculinity on their heads. It's、uh, <laughs> a theme here, <laughs> which is like the. I love that theme.、Uh, in this case, it's about a teenage ranch hand in Nevada who wants to prove himself as a boxer in Arizona. Seems like a pretty classic tale. Needless to say, it doesn't go as planned. Very simple story, but it feels so incredibly grounded in what it's like to live in the modern rural West, or even like modern rural America. You know, full of gas stations, fast food, depressed towns, open country,、uh, and it's just got one of the most heartbreaking, surprising endings I've ever read. It's one of those oh, ones, you know,、teaser. when you're reading a book and you flip to the next page and you're like, "Wait, no, that's it." It's done,、oh. and you're just like, that's how it ends. Are you like, are you serious? It's like a every Murakami book I've ever read. <laughs> I, I read it on a plane, and I just sat there in my chair, just like 15 minutes staring in front of me, just in shock. You know,、mm. like, and I, it's one of those endings too. You know, like where first you're like, I hated that ending. That was a terrible ending. But then it like sits for a couple days, and you're like, no. That was a great. <laughs> I really love that. This is an excellent, great job recommending this. I'm very intrigued. So Willie Vlanton, don't skip out on me. That's my recommendation.、Um, finally, Felix, what is yours? Yeah, so you just gave a suggestion about reading. I want to give a suggestion about writing.、Mm. Winter for me is a time to like slow down. So when it comes to writing, basically the suggestion is just. Get off your laptop.、Um, I purchased a typewriter、um, just before last winter, and、uh, I actually really like typing. It's like this very satisfying, like clack 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 clack.、Um, and、uh, you know, sometimes I'll write、uh, letters to friends. Sometimes I'll write a letter to myself and mail it to myself. Oh well, <laughs> that's cool. The nice thing about a typewriter, as opposed to a laptop, is like fewer distractions. Right. Yep. And plus, it's kind of like、um, I think this is what you were getting at with the、uh, the the what was it the Lino 
type lino cuts the lino cuts like you make a mistake just keep going yeah <laughs> um, there's no you know backspace I mean technically there right. is but it doesn't quite work uh, as as <laughs> as well as a, a laptop um, the ink is on the paper so just keep going yeah you got to own the words that you just wrote I love that a lot of these recommendations um, like from the the movie trilogy one to you know writing letters to friends it's a lot of them are about like yeah activities you're doing by yourself but you are connecting to your community still right mm. it's a nice yeah. theme yeah yeah that's a beautiful idea should definitely write more letters to friends i never do that that's yeah. a good winter recommendation can i just uh, jump in and, and end on one final note from betsy our, our cold water dipper um from earlier yes. yeah because i i did ask her about the the winter blues and um you know relationship with darkness which you know i definitely get uh in the winter often mm -hmm. and she said basically she did not relate um <laughs> it was like hardcore <laughs> cold water dipper um but she did say something else that made me feel like a little closer to that friendship with winter feeling um so mm -hmm. i think we should end on that okay yeah, I have none of that. Um, <laughs> I love the winter, and I love the dark. I think it's from growing up on a farm, and it was always so neat to be in the barn when it was dark outside, and it was, you know, you're just finishing up milking the cow or something, and, and then you walk across the road to the, to the house, and lights are on. It looks so warm and cozy. I just, it's just... Winter time, I just love. That was wonderful. I need to have mm. more of Betsy's vibe when it comes to winter. Mm -hmm. Let's channel our inner Betsy's. Yeah. Channel our inner Betsy. <laughs> This episode was produced and mixed by Justine Paradise. Uh, thank you very much to our special guest, Mara Hoplamazian. You can find their work at nhpr.org slash climate. Special thanks to the many cold water swimmers Justine spoke to, Kelsey Hartley, Caitlin Hopkins, and Judy Green Yansa. Thanks also to Michael Tipton. Today's episode was edited by Taylor Quimby, Outside In's executive producer executive Predictor. protector. <laughs> what is she predicting for us? Outside In's executive producer is Rebecca Lavoie. Music in this episode came from Autohacker, Noel Teal Records, John Runefeld, Blue Dot Sessions, Zavi Razin, Izo Indie, and Vane. Outside In is a production of New Hampshire Public Radio. 